It's funny, when we first moved here, we went to the first, very first business after hours. This is a funny little story, out on the Esplanade. And, you know, Mark and I really didn't know anybody. We we're just still observing. And so I think it was the first week we were here. And so we just got a table in the back of the tent. There was a big tent set up on the Esplanade. And there was a bunch of um, older community members. and. Um, so we just started asking them, you know, what do you like about town? And, and one of them said, oh, the murals. And they all started laughing. And I said, well, why are you laughing? And they said, when we, when they first proposed painting a large painting on the flood wall mural, and they wanted to raise $20,000 for a painting, we thought that was the dumbest idea in the world. And we wouldn't support it, and we wouldn't give them any money. And then it was painted, and he said, we were wrong, and they have supported the murals ever since. And I thought that was a really great story about how um, public perception can change. I was really proud of them, and I commended them for being open enough to change their minds and to, be, to realize that uh, there was another way to look at things. Um, and so, um, so really art, and that whole mural wall really defines this town and the, the land as it existed back to prehistoric times. And I think it's that school children know the history of this town better than anywhere else I've ever lived and I attribute that directly to the, the murals. What's up, Legends? Welcome back to another episode. Thanks so much for continuing to listen. Today, we are going to hear from Charlotte Gordon. She's the art director at Southern Ohio Art Museum. She's a studio artist herself, as well as a councilwoman on Portsmouth City Council. Very dynamic person, um, multidimensional, and I'm excited for you to hear her thoughts on art in public spaces, how that affects our culture and our city, and how we can continue to create spaces and more spaces that uh, elevates all kinds of different voices. Um, we also talked about just creating things that uh, continue to enrich people's lives past, you know, just selling them a product or service. I think that's super valuable concept of building a brand and identity into the things that we're doing as entrepreneurs um, that continue to affect people long after we're gone certainly an idea that the Glockners have gotten behind and has uh, pushed their 175-year business forward. Hey, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you want to help push it along, please uh, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. does exceptionally more than you probably think as far as getting our uh, podcast and content out to more listeners, helping other people hear these amazing small-town success stories. Um, really important that we get that out to as many people as we can here locally. And so if you want to help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world. And of course, every episode of the Local Legends podcast is brought to you by Glockner Enterprises. They're a huge part of the good things that are happening here in Portsmouth. So if you or anyone you know is ready to make a vehicle purchase, make sure to visit glockner.com to get started. Enjoy the episode. Local Legends Podcast. 
We're live on the Local Legends podcast. This is episode 39, and I'm joined in the Glockner Speakeasy with Charlotte Gordon. Hi, Connor. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Of course. You have quite the lineup, so I'm glad I... I I rank to join the ranks of, yeah, oh, of man, local yeah. legends. It's, it's been yeah. a long time coming. You've been on the list here, Charlotte. So tell us, uh, just start with telling our listeners who you are and what you do. Um, so I am Charlotte Gordon, and I am. I, I came here to um, serve as the artistic director of the Southern Ohio Museum. Um, I am also an artist. I have a ceramic studio. It's always been um, my, kind of my side gig, but I've, I started doing that um, actually as a teenager and, and even going to craft fairs as a, as a teenager. And it's just something I've, I've always done. It's always been with me. I have my wheel. I schlep around for every move. Um, but now I also get to serve as second ward city council representative. Mm. Um, so um, it's it's something I never thought I would wade into, but I'm I'm enjoying it. it was it's a nice opportunity to um, to think of things differently. Yeah, mm, absolutely. And and that's really one of the main things that uh, really intrigued me about you, Charlotte, is that you. Um, as an artist and as someone from mm -hmm. an art background, you've stepped into multiple dona domains. You're an entrepreneur. Um, mm -hmm. You yeah, are on, on city council and affecting um, you know, the public space and uh, just trying to really integrate yourself in the community. Uh, just speaking personally, um, when I first started designing, mm -hmm. uh, going to uh, Shawnee as a student and then graduating, I, I really, my most limiting belief was that I was just a designer, right? That I was right. just a, an artist. And I'm, I'm saying it like that because uh, it's easy to kind of to kind of cap yourself or um, really only look for opportunities that are labeled with your degree. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. And it, um, and I think it's really how we self-define ourselves. Mm. You know, those, those cubby holes and pigeon holes we put ourselves in that then become really limiting. You know, I think that we do it initially to define ourselves sure. and give us a pathway to growth. But then I think as we embark on those paths, that, that those definitions can really limit the mm. scope and it it limits our perspective and how we think of ourselves and how we think of others and how we s really perceive the world around us. And you've you've certainly overcame that obstacle or just natural pitfall. So just tell us a little bit about your background, um, how you've got to where you are now in Portsmouth. <laughs> and, uh, I'm um, really curious that long road. How long do we have? <laughs> um, so. Um, you know, I was a studio artist, and um, and then later in my life, um, after I, I raised kids, I always had a studio, like I said, and then after my kids were a little bit older, um, I found myself working in a museum. The Springfield Museum of Art actually has an art school attached to the museum, mm. and so I went in to run the ceramics department, um, and um, it, it was a really... I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. It was a lot of non-traditional students, um, community. It was a community-based. The kids came in. A lot of adults came in, and I met a lot of very interesting people. But I started working my way into museum life and museum world there, and I served first as interim curator, 
Um, and then I was actually named the, the museum curator at that museum. And I went back and got a master's degree in museum studies. And mm. I really looked hard at what degree would fit best. And I liked, um, even though at the time there were so few degrees there um, being offered by schools, but um, it was broad enough that I wasn't just doing um, registration worker, just doing education worker, just and it was just a really nice broad way to look at art as a business and museums as a business and mm. and the power that museums have as a community. And I think a lot of people when they grow up think of museums as the place for dead artists. And um, but you know, I grew up in New Orleans, and New Orleans has got kind of a museum on every corner and a museum for all sorts of bizarre things, museums for cocktails and museums for Mardi Gras costumes and museums for all sorts of things. And I really came to wow. appreciate museums as a place really to be inspired, to just go and open your mind and be inspired by a lot of different things. So I, I like that possibility of, of museums through collections and mm. through exhibitions um, that to, to just offer... Um, the, these chances for inspiration to people. Well, well, that's cool. And I, I like that you're kind of so early bridging the connection between art and um, the market, right? Business. Right. It is. a Yeah. It's a business about art. It's, um, yeah. So at what point did you get involved with the Southern Ohio Art Museum? Um, so the world of museums in Ohio are all tied together. And so we knew the staff here. Um, we actually knew Sarah Johnson, her husband, Clay, um, fairly well. Um, just for We would exchange paintings. You know, if we were curating exhibitions, we, we traded paintings from institution to institutions. Mm. Um, my husband, Mark, and Sarah curated a really fabulous exhibit together outside in Ohio that focused on... Um, artists outside the mainstream and folk artists and self-taught artists. And it was a really wow. dynamic, it showed at both our institutions and um, it was a really dynamic exhibition. So, mm. so we knew this and then, um, and then they were having a change up of clientele and, um, and so I don't, it just came about that um, they were very open to husband and wives working together. The first directors they ever had were husband and wife. Wow. And so, um, so it was really a fun, we were looking for something we could do together. Um, our, our skill sets really complement each other. So, um, so mm. when this came up, we were really excited. And you're, and you're both excellent artists, by the way. I mean, so, your husband does really cool work as right? well. Yeah, yeah, he's got a master's in painting as well mm. as art history. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so he he's an an amazing painter. Yeah, so um, so it's it's we're really happy to be here, and we looked around at several other communities, and um, we came and stayed for a couple of weeks, and at the Holiday Inn, kind of during the week, and roamed all around, and went to all the restaurants, and went did everything you could possibly do, and <laughs> and there was a spark, and this was almost nine years ago, and it oh, was wow. a very yeah. different. You know, that it wasn't everything being built up now, but you could feel the spark. It was really palpable. It was, mm. that energy was tangible. And so we thought this could be a fun place to really come in and make a difference. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you certainly have like just being um, and seeing some of the exhibits at the Southern Ohio mm -hmm. Art Museum myself. I, it really is an amazing space to be inspired 
uh, love what you do with the cream of the crop Thank show. You. Right. Um, that certainly right. like seems to be uh, hyper relevant right now, just with all the, the Renaissance going on. And a lot of those people that are part of the Renaissance here that have uh, thriving businesses, people like, mm-hmm. uh, like Wayne Stump, what he shows right. at the museum. It, it's kind of cool to see all those people in one space. Yeah. It is exciting. And, and as I said, museums do have the power to define communities. Mm. Um, it, just shining a spotlight on an artist or a group of artists or a minority group and, and making it worthwhile to bring into museum walls gives it validity and gives that group of people validity. And so when we open the doors to Cream of the Crop for the regional artists that live within 85 miles, it really gives mm. them the validity that they need. Um, and some people, you know, it's the first time they get into a show and and it defines them. You know, yes, I'm an artist. And yes, yeah. I'm going to go home and make more. And for some people, you know, they've been doing this a long time and, and they join in. And so it's a really fun um, community event. And another important component of that is that um we we really market the sales of that show to Mm. local collectors and we're really trying to develop the people who don't make art to purchase the regional artworks Mm. um and it really speaks to them it's it's all made um by people around them about the space around them and um, this past year, we sold over $17,000 worth of artwork, wow. which is, I th- it was by far the most. Mm. And um, I think it speaks to the caliber of work and to the commitment of the community to support the artists. Wow. Well, I, I didn't actually know it was that far reaching. Amazing that, yeah, you're, you're kind of pulling people maybe that are outside of the city as well. Right. You have any specific uh, stories or participants that you were really excited about this year? Oh, um, I don't know. I just get so excited having them all come, um, Mm. paintings. We actually had quilts for the first time this year, which I kind of was expecting coming in, you know, just a museum in Appalachia. Mm. Um, and so we ended up and one won a second prize award. So, um, it was just a really, um, you never know what to expect. So it's just fun when you throw open the doors and see what comes in the door. Sure, sure. And Charlotte, something I wanted to discuss with you, you maybe there's some uh, misconceptions or um, misunderstandings about uh, the artist in general, or, you know, a, a lot of people, you, you are openly talking about how art affects the market, how you're able to, how these people mm-hmm. are able to come to cream of the crop and uh, sell their work and continue working, mm-hmm. you know, continue producing art. I think maybe there's some misconceptions occasionally that like uh, art and business are, are, are separate. Um, they're not, uh, they're not as entwined or affecting each other or especially even um, design. And I, and I want to dispel that because I think it it's, when we do, it's there, there's just a lot of important things that art can do in the business space, the public space. Um, and so I guess uh, what's your perspective on that? Right. So, um, well, I know that you deal a lot, too, with art mm. and art business and how they that intersection of the two. Sure. Um, and um, I always do encourage artists to take a business class because um, it, it's it, it's not different sides of your brain. I think it, it, it is all interconnected and it sometimes mean the success of making it or not making it. Right. But, um, you know, art 
is the one thing that can charge a public space or, or charge any space, whether it's, you know, a, a painting in your living room that is over your, your mantelpiece that you grew up with that, you know, that that painting witnessed um, birthdays and anniversaries and Christmases and, you know, it's just part of the fabric of your life. Um, if it's um, paintings or artworks in restaurants um, that really can help define that space and then artwork in the public. Mm. And um, Portsmouth has done an amazing job with art. Yes. Um, the mural, the commitment to the murals is amazing. Um, it's funny when we first moved here and we went to the first, very first business after hours, this is a funny little story out on the Esplanade and, you know, Mark and I really didn't know anybody. We're just still observing. And so I think it was the first week we were here. And so we just got a table in the back of the tent. There was a big tent set up on the Esplanade and there was a bunch of, um, older community members and, um, so we just started asking them, you know, what do you like about town? And, and one of them said, oh, the murals. And they all started laughing. And I said, well, why are you laughing? And they said, when, we, when they first proposed painting, a large painting on the flood wall mural, and they wanted to raise $20,000 for a painting, we thought that was the dumbest idea in the world. <laughs> and we wouldn't support it, and we wouldn't give them any money. And then it was painted, mm. and he said, we were wrong, and they have supported the murals ever since. Wow. And I thought that was a really great story about how um, public perception can change. Right. I was really proud of them, and I commended them for being open enough to change their minds and to be to realize yeah. that uh, there was another way to look at things. Incredible. Um, and so, um, so really art, and that whole mural wall really defines this town and the, mm. the land as it existed back to prehistoric times. Right. And I think it's that school children know the history of this town better than anywhere else I've ever lived. And I attribute that directly to the, the murals. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And what, what a powerful story. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, it, do, it just so quickly informs you. And it's mm -hmm. so immersive when you're right up on the flood wall. I mean, just massive pieces from Robert right. Daffer. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a, a powerful example. Um, kind of from my own experience, I, I really love this quote from, from Massimo Vanelli when he says, mm -hmm. like, if you can design one thing, you can design anything kind mm -hmm. of uh, idea. That, that idea was really, it is really powerful for me because I learned that um, just my uh, ability as an artist allowed mm -hmm. me to affect change in my own way to bring something new to the table, right? So uh, from your perspective as well, just understanding um, how like the value in murals, the value in, in projects like Portsmouth Street Art Project, right? right? And uh, you guys clearing that with uh, city council. Right. Well, I think that for so long, the public art was... Um, one voice, you know, mm. Robert Dafford did an amazing job and it was, you know, the, the subject matter was decided upon by a group of citizens and, um, uh, move forward. But, um, but I think now, especially when you travel to other cities, you see so many other voices being heard. Mm. Um, and I know that when I went to the very first unity project meeting with Gerald Cadogan, kind of leading it saying, can we just 
see other voices in town. And I, I, it really, um, I got it, you know, and I could see it. And so now it's really fun that we have the street art wall, the graffiti wall. Mm. Um, it's also called down by the river, um, that anyone can, can go paint. Um, so, so art in the museum world, when you're, um, cataloging artworks, it's cataloged as communication devices that art is communication. Right. And what I really do love about art is that oftentimes it's nonverbal. Most times it's nonverbal. And so anyone speaking any language can go to that and, and bring, we only can bring who we are and our experiences to anything, to Mm. any piece of artwork. And so it's really fun to see artworks. And in our museum, we've got ancient prehistoric objects and how, how we don't know what language they spoke or, or what they look like or how they dressed, but, um, we can connect with these handmade objects that another human being made and see the jewelry they wore and see the little tiny piccolo flutes out of bird bones um, that they mm. play, the music they created. And, um, and I think the human spirit hasn't changed at all. We still have a need for adornments, for wearing jewelry, for adornments, for having... They decorated their utilitarian objects. Right. Um, and they had a need for music. And I, I think that, you know, the human spirit, no matter what environment we're living in, we have the same needs. Right, right. And I think a lot of it is what you're saying. We, we need to be able to storytell through the things mm-hmm. that we create, right? And set and just create our narrative, create our narrative. We create our narrative. And so I think it's really nice having um, the Street Art Project and now the Unity Project. April Deacon is a big, big part of that. Mm. Charlie Haskins. Right. And having um, some other local voices, some people out of the community, um, out of the mainstream community. Um, we're getting some African-American artists that are joining in. And, and I think it's really, really important um, to see those those images and those voices and not just in one part of town, just all over town and, mm. and that we're all, we're all here together. Right. Right. And so, um, like I said, very, you're, you're very multifaceted. You're operating in a lot of domain, Charlotte. One mm-hmm. of them is, is city council, right. um, which is an incredible space or place to bring your skill set. Um, so I guess what kind of, uh, ideas and movement are are you making to or you want to see happen so my ward is um it's a funny ward it's it's i have the university and the schools um it's some commercial it's some residential um it goes from the river up to the 14th street community center Mm. and then over um to brown street and then up and um, so it's, it's really multifaceted. And so sometimes there's some conflicts when some of those different entities rub elbows. Um, but um, it, it's, it's the extension of downtown. There's so much growth going on in the Bony Fiddle area. Mm. And so um, whenever I've traveled, you know, you go through those, those new little parts of a rehab downtown and you think, all right, where's the next place to go? And so I, I really thought it was important to funnel the net or at least lay the groundwork so that we could funnel the next stage of development. And so we did create an art district um, that runs from the edge of Bony Fiddle in Washington over to um, Waller Street 
and then from the river it includes the Vern Rife Center, the um, Innovation Hub, wow. and and then kind of up towards about seventh. Um, certainly, we can always move those markers, but it includes the museum the Southern Ohio Museum, but now also the Roy Rogers Museum and the soon-to-open Portsmouth History Museum. Wow. So we'll have three three of museums in that district. Um, we've got the Cirque de Art Theater, um, and as I said, the Vern Reif Performing Arts Center. We've got um, different restaurants opening, and it's, it's a fun little, so we're calling it the Arts Arts, Culture, and Innovation District, which is abbreviated to the Acid District. So wow. a group of us got together, and we do have banners designed that will be at some point erecting and flying off of flagpoles um, going down the street. So cool. So, um, yeah, and I think it's important to at least, as people say, I want to be part of this growth. I want to be part of it mm. to give them a space to be part of it. it it's it, We want to center it around the Esplanade, kind of work from the farmer's market on Saturday mornings and mm. try to generate more. Um, it's still been a tough year. We're still battling COVID and kind of mm. meeting publicly. People are still kind of hesitant. So um, so we're really hoping that by by next spring we can ramp this up and have it have it going strong. Sure, sure. And so that's yeah. re really your goal is to just continue to create uh, more spaces for different voices. Right, right. So, um, you know, I was telling you before this podcast that I also spoke to this at the Fringe Festival. So when I was young and growing up um, in New Orleans, I spent a lot of time on the water um, in the Gulf of Mexico. And and I did have, about 15 was the first time I really went out into open water, out mm. into the shipping channels on a much larger vessel. And, and I became really just blown away at, at the range markers and the, all these beacons and, um, and all of these symbols that were used to communicate direction and to define a space. You know, you look around, it's open water. And yet these, these symbols define a space. And really, it's only defined to those people who know how to read those symbols. Mm. And so then, um, you know, kind of being a teenager, it, it really stuck in my mind. I thought, well, why is it everybody can't read these? And then what other spaces are there that are not defined for everyone? Mm. What are those silent symbols that are around us defining spaces that would either include a small group or exclude a larger group of people? And so, um, so I really saw how art can be both the beacons to draw people in, but also to to break down those barriers and make it open for everyone. Wow, wow. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And, and I think um, especially it, it speaks to, especially in areas like ours, Charlotte, I think small towns, people just by nature, like if you wanna get something accomplished, get a business off the ground, be an entrepreneur, you, you kind of have to, um, you have to be more multifaceted. You kind of have to cross over into multiple domains, wear more hats to kind of right, get the ball to rolling. Make it, make it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now that, um, especially with the technology we have today, I mean, like a podcast is a perfect example. Um, you know, 50 years ago, we wouldn't be able to right. just upload uh, like a long form conversation. There'd be, <laughs> you know, we have to find a radio station. You can, I still can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'd, we'd have to find a, a radio station. Uh, you know, there'd be advertising thrown in. Right. But, uh, you right. know, it's so cool. Um, like, these kind of things are, are our best friends in uh, these kind of startup environments, right. you know? Um, right. And so I think... Uh, I think you said the Innovation Hub is also in your district so as well. So the Innovation Hub and, and David Kilroy, when I, I you know, ran into him, because you run into everybody around town, and yeah. I said, hey, we're thinking of doing this. What do you think? It would You'd be in the footprint. And he said, well, it has to include innovation in the mm. name. So, so we kind of looked at what we had. We have art and we have culture because we had performing arts. And, uh-huh. and then we had innovation. And so it, it then became, you know, this really funny thing. So we, it was like playing Scrabble. What are we going to call this? Cool. So, um, but I do think we also have, you know, other tech businesses within that space. Site Solution is down the street, mm. um, down Gallia Street. So so there are the innovators that are there as well. So, wow. um, and there is space. There's space for people to try things out. There's a lot of um, small spaces for rent down Gallia Street if right. you want to just try something out um, and see how it goes before you invest in a big building. Um, so I feel like, you know, Portsmouth... Um, Portsmouth is a really great place to bring your ideas sure. and just try it. Mm. You know, at the museum, we always tell the staff, it's like throwing spaghetti at a wall. And if it doesn't stick the first time, just cook it a little more and then we'll throw it again and we'll <laughs> wait until it just sticks. And so sometimes good ideas are like that. They just have to gestate. Mm. They have to cook a little more and you have to, you know, keep talking to everybody in town because... If they're not related to somebody, they know somebody who's going to help you out doing whatever it Mm. is you need help with. And um, we do have the Innovation Hub that is really a great place for entrepreneurs to get help with. Mm. Um, That's their job is to help out people in startups. And and all these, um, I guess all those domains really affect each other, whether it's the online space, Mm -hmm. the offline space. uh, That's a really powerful part of your district. Right. Yeah. Um, just, um, you know, that's something just being in the digital marketing space, I'm really fascinated with that the the things we do online, uh, really affect our offline world for better or for worse kind of thing. Just similar to how, how art, um, can either confuse or inform, you know? Right. Right. And so, yeah, so can all that online stuff. Right. (laughs) Sure. But, uh, but also confuse and inform. (laughs) But, uh, it's a, it's a powerful part of your district that you have the innovation hub, Mm -hmm. um, involved. And I I think, um, is, is going to be able to, you know, David does an amazing job, Derek Parker and Josh, uh, Lawson. Um, they're all, uh, they're They're all on the top of their game. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're renovating that space now, and I'm really looking forward to them opening mm. and, um, yeah, getting getting good things coming out of there. Sure. And then just to, uh, just to continue that, like, what role do you think the arts have played in our city's revival? I mean, it's easy to kind of make some of the connections with what you see uh, just bony fiddle um like their success as the as the city has economically developed and the right. downtown district has economically developed um what what more opportunity do you think there are for the arts to kind of uh to be involved in the city's growth so the arts you know that was the cool thing about growing up in new orleans it was a place where the arts were out in the streets it's it's a culture that has lived on the streets mm. and and i've always no matter where I've lived, tried to recreate that in a way. Um, and the music scene here is really big and really mm. important. And it's very unique. The musicians here have a sound that you don't hear in Cincinnati or Columbus 
or you know the the river there is a river sound mm. and um We've been really intrigued by it, and it's really fun to just walk down to Port City and get a beer and listen to who's playing. And um, so I do feel like, you know, the music is really, really instrumental. I'd love to see the blues, brews, and barbecue, you know, happen again. That could be a really cool thing. Um, the visual arts, we now have um, more contemporary murals being created. Mm. Um, so I, I do feel like there is this... Um, this music and visual art growth um, going on, and it really br- is bringing people together. Mm. Um, there, you know, there's that little impromptu group that gets together with the, with the Bradberries, and they'll go out to, you know, the um, over on Second Street or over at the Esplanade, and they'll just meet in a public space and start playing music, and anyone can come in and join them as well. And so I feel like it's. Um, it really, it can make your day seem not quite so bleak when you mm. have really wonderful music and really wonderful, beautiful objects to look at. Do you have any advice for um, people like you were saying that are trying to get involved, that are trying to find their space? What would you say to them? Um, well, sometimes it's um you know listen to a lot of people but also listen to the silence like what do you want it to be Mm. and i will say you know the one thing i did when i was really young and starting out and i was 22 years old and i went down to the courthouse and got myself a vendor's license Mm. and um you know, I just gotten out of college and I felt really armed and really confident. <laughs> um, it's good to feel like that at some point in your life, I guess. Sure. So, um, but in just getting a vendor's license, I then immediately started thinking of my art, my personal art, and I, I make clay objects. Um, which, is, which is not... <laughs> I like the way you described that because uh, me personally, I, I took a ceramics class at Shawnee and just failed miserably. Like it was honestly one of the, the probably the hardest medium that I ever attempted. Like it was, a, oh. it, I, I, it didn't drive with me, but it, it, it is a, quite the skill set, quite the skill set. There's a lot of chemistry involved. There is, there There's is. There's a lot of chemistry involved. So I may, at this point in my life, life I having a day job, I go home and I, I make mugs and I make bowls. I make utilitarian objects that are communication objects. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I can sit down on a cold winter night and crank out some mugs and somebody else is going to have a cup of really nice hot tea in there or hot chocolate. Yeah, and yeah. it's, it's just like, let me impart some of my energy to you. And, um, it, it's fun to do that. But I think in getting your vendor's license, you all of a sudden take yourself seriously in a way you didn't before, mm. um, that all of a sudden you have a business to defend and, um, right. you know, you, you, then you make yourself cards or some marketing materials. And even if it's just on a, you know, your own copy machine or, you know, you make a Facebook page about your business and, mm. um, or like me, I hardly ever post on it, but, um, but you know, it's there. And, um, 
And so I feel like you then, once you have created this business, it's something outside of yourself. It's It becomes kind of like a baby and yeah. that you can nurture it. And you come to different points of growth and you say, okay, now where do I want to take this? Mm -hmm. um, there was a point in time that I was making large installation objects and I was getting work fabricated um, by boat builders, large fiberglass forms wow. and had woodworkers building me really tall structures to create environments to just transform spaces that mm. became places to walk through. Um, and, and so I think that, that when you create that, I mean, not only is it all the legal way to do it so that you don't, you know, get into trouble down the road, but you also, it, it becomes your business. And so you then can go to vendors and say, I have this business and I think I might want to grow in this direction. What do you think? Or I might need a bigger space. How much do you want for this space? Um, or I want to collaborate with someone else. And it's not just, um, you and your basement or your attic or where your kitchen table or wherever you might be working, you know, it mm. becomes something bigger than just you. And, um, and it keeps you going. Sure, sure. And that's cool to hear, hear you talk about, um, create, so you were creating indoor or outdoor installations? Like um, I did do one outside that was very cool. And, um, and it was kind of this open structure house. It was, um, it was, a Western, it had the lines of Western architecture, but it was made with very primitive materials some bamboo and lashing and all that. And wow. I had incorporated some salt into it. And, um, and one night I drove up and deer were surrounded. They were in the house. They were all around it. And I was like, what are they doing? And the person I was with said, it's the salt. <laughs> so they were in there eating the salt, which was so cold. And I wanted to yeah. photograph it, but then they, I chased them away. So, um, but then um, I did create some really large spaces um, that were kind of navigational pieces that you mm. would kind of navigate through. Um, and it was really fun. It's a, it's a very kind of ethereal, abstract way to think and work. And I hope one day that I can go back to that work. Mm. I really enjoy it. Well, I, I think it probably lends to just your efforts in the public space and just trying to transform the community right even even when you were doing uh, and do do um smaller scale ceramic work it's functional right right uh, it's a it is like affecting someone's day you know right. if it's hard it's hard to drink out of it's like a completely different experience than if it's a pleasant like uh object you know right. designed well kind right. of deal. i actually had this really cool experience um it was kind of in that this a cold cold morning during covid and mm. um I had to go to the grocery store actually to get milk for my coffee because I'd run out and I'd forgotten to get some the day before. And so <laughs> I was in, I'm masked up and I was really in honestly just a really, really grouchy mood. And um, this woman stopped me in the grocery and I was like, oh, you know, she had a pothole in front of her house. Like, what's the deal here? And she said, I want you to know 
I bought one of your mugs. Um, I used to go to the farmer's market before I opened my store. Um, I, I bought one of your mugs at the farmer's market and I drink out of it every morning and the mornings seem so lonely wow. now. And it's, it's a nice connection because I remember being there and our conversation and being at the farmer's market and it brings back really nice memories. And so I was left there. Um, I gave her probably a really horrible response because I was really then befuddled. You know, I went from being in this really foul mood to really being given this gift, you mm-hmm. know, that I was feeling really isolated and, and yet here was this connection. And so I went home and made another dozen mugs because I thought this is how I'm connecting to people right wow. now wow. is that there's a lot of people having coffee with me in the morning. So mm-hmm. I want to make these mugs really special. That, so, that, um, is, that is a super it powerful was a story. Really, and I, I don't know who the woman was. She was masked up. I was masked up. But um, it really touched me and mm-hmm. um, and really brought it back and recentered me, you know, why why I do like to just make functional work. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and that... Um, you know, I, I just had a, like a similar conversation with the Glockners because what you're doing is, you know, it's business, it's function and form, mm-hmm. it's art and and uh, a product. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really think what's made uh, their business so successful, their family so successful is they is they focus on things outside of commerce. They focus mm-hmm. on that hum- human aspect of right. just connecting with their business and the people that run it, like how... Uh, they give back to the community. It's like uh, we, we were just talking about. Um, we we just released a, an episode of the podcast called "Work Hard, Play Hard," and it's mm-hmm. it's uh, dedicated to Ebby Glockner. It's 15 interviews, um, just kind of mm-hmm. interlaced together, scored with music, and just telling his story. People telling mm-hmm. stories about Eb, and um, you know, there's it's certainly very cool. It, yeah, it, it, it's not any kind of uh, immediate monetary gain. Like that's mm-hmm. not that's not the purpose. The purpose is to create things that continue to impact people past this generation, right? Right. right. Um, right. And so we have to be in that mindset if we're going to create things of value, and then and just naturally commerce to sustain that comes out of those those right. honest efforts, those right. genuine efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it you know it wouldn't be enough if you just made any old mug for people right right right. well i know i mean that's to me and maybe it's a luxury that the business i'm in you know either selling at the market or selling in my little store i just you know where are you from are you from here what do you do and have these really great conversations Mm. um with the people and the glockners have done an amazing job of impacting a community really for generations Mm. um um, you know, I, I know that there are people who have now retired and moved away that talk about the Glockners and the impact that they have personally knowing them. Mm. And it's not so much the business, and but the business is a, a part of it. Sure. But um, like you said, anybody, in a lot of ways, anybody can be in business and anybody can sell a product. Yeah. Um, but to recognize that zone you're in, that that culture you're in, the people that you surround yourself with, and recognize the responsibility to that, mm. and to those people, and recognize that you do have a responsibility to be. You can't just take from the community. You right. really need to give back to the community on that community level. Yes. Um, and I really feel strongly about that. That sure. 
that we've been, we've been taught so long what we can take and what our rights are without also being taught the responsibility that we have mm. to, to look out for our neighbor and, and be a responsible giver right. um, within the, that same parameter. Yeah, yeah. And giving back in a community like our size is, uh, is almost more powerful than, so, than like a, a million-person city because it's almost it, there's so many more one-to-one ratio kind of connections, right? right? Where you can, like, uh, just that one person affected your day. You know? Right. Um, but, you know, that is the idea, Charlotte. Like, I, I um, it, and the, that is the, that's what the Glockners want. I, I can see that underlying motivation for you that we want to create things that are, that are long lasting, that enrich people's mm-hmm. lives here. Um, and right. so when we're talking about, uh, creating spaces, creating the, like the power of creating something, um, that impacts people, like how can we better do that? How can we, um, I'm sure you, you touched on it um, in your previous talk about mm-hmm. creating spaces. How can we, uh, how can we better do that and be a part of that? Well, that's a really good question. Um, and it's certainly one that I think all of us on city council are always struggling with. Like, how mm. can we better our community? How can we better each other's lives? Um, and some people have very strong opinions and other people yeah. don't agree with those opinions. Right. But, um, but you know, it is every, every conversation you have with anyone does have a bigger impact because we are a smaller town. And so mm. we have in a lot of ways, fewer conversations or less people to have those conversations with. Um, and I do find that being really supportive of somebody's ideas, I may not see it, but they believe in it. And we all have our own vision. We all have our own gifts. We all have our own, you know, what, what we're about. And I do feel like it's our business to to grow that. It's our business to develop that. It's our business to bring that to fruition. I don't mean it business in a business sense, but it's our job. It's our, Mm. it's our responsibility. It's our priority to, to, um, bring to fruition what we see. Mm. And it's all these pieces of the puzzle. You know, your piece is different than my piece. It's different from everybody else's pieces, but together as we bring them all to fruition, they all fit together and they all have components. It, and, um, that's a great point. Yeah, you know, I've been reading uh, the Weinstein, Brett Weinstein and his wife Heather, their latest book, mm-hmm. and uh, they talk about um, these kind of things, just humanity from a, from an evolutionary perspective. And they're talking about like uh, how you know other creatures, um, other animals are they're specialists, and that's how they thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but humanity has this one unique thing about them, which is that um, they can connect, they can communicate right. in a way you know very articulately versus other species uh, to where they can really accomplish amazing things. Right. You know, so just a, a hang up of a lot of small towns or or just um, an attitude that you can get sucked into is just uh, that you know, you're in competition with the person next door to you. Right. But that's uh, really not how we're going to thrive, like right. you're saying. I think that's also kind of um, this old school notion that mm. I have to be better than you. I have to squash you. I have to eradicate you so that I can thrive. And I think that, um, um, you know, what we've seen kind of from big tech businesses where there are no cubicles, that everyone works together, and you really do have the opportunity to create something so much bigger than you mm. if you collaborate with someone else. Yeah. 
Um, so it's just a, it's really fun that we now have all these other museums, including the children's museum coming, wow, yeah. um, that then, wow, like a whole family could come here and spend a day in museums, yeah, you know, once yeah. they're all open and up and running. Um, oh man, that, that children's museum is going to be an incredible, right. incredible space. Megan Baum and, uh, Cindy, uh, Wolf and just the team there are, are really making something pretty, pretty outstanding. Museum teams are really fun yeah. just in general, you know, because they really, they have a, a shared vision. Um, and, and you, it's, every museum I've worked in or experienced or collaborated with or brought an exhibition to or something there there's um there's just like a special person that that works there that um Mm. that sees something happening that sees it and can bring it to fruition right and realizes that it takes all of us to do it Mm. and so um and again it's just like building our town Mm. that um it just takes everyone to collaborate and and to read the signs and the symbols and um, this the unwritten languages as well as the written languages to really create um, something, you know, for the next several generations coming down the pike. Sure, sure, um, and yeah, just as a as a member of City Council Charlotte, you know, mm-hmm. what what do you want people to know about as far as um, when they can speak to you about their ideas? You know, you were talking about uh, maybe uh, some of your frustrations that uh, you you know you can't just uh, address people off the cuff about anything at uh, any time. You know, well. So city council's funny because there are really strict rules governing how you operate as city council. Mm, mm. And so, um, you know, we can't just say, oh, let's go meet downtown for a beer and talk about this topic or where we, what we might want to do with this topic. It's It all has to be in open meetings. Mm. And um, so we have our meetings where we conduct our business and then we have the um, city council uh, or city manager's agenda. Right. And it's when Sam, who is our city manager um, and city council hires the city manager um, and Sam's amazing. Um, And so, so that is kind of the idea board. That's the rough idea board. And it's where we as a council, we ask Sam, we'll call Sam and say, I just want to discuss this topic and so he puts it on the very bottom. And so the very end of the meeting, after we've done all the business and everything else, we then have these discussion items that each one of us wants to bring forth. And so he'll say, you know, Edwin brought forth this, you know, idea about, you know, we could do this. And so then Edwin can talk about it and say, this is what this city did. And it looked like this, but if we did it, we could, you know, do this with it. Mm. And, um, and it's just the rough idea board and it's kind of the kitchen table when we as a council can sit around and have more informal conversations, even though it's all still recorded. Um, and I think we've been criticized for wasting time. I know that, um, for a while we were talking about Confederate flags mm. and how off-putting they are. Um, and a lot of people said, you're just wasting time talking about this. But this is when we talk about it, you mm. know, and we get the input from our city solicitor who says that's all protected under under free speech. And, you know, so it's 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 kind of funny that um, a lot of people consider that wasting time. We're the ones sitting in the room. They can turn it off at any point. <laughs> sure, in time. sure. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't think in discussing ideas, some may come to fruition, some may not come to fruition, some may take years to come to fruition, others might take a whole lot of other departments to make happen. Mm. But I do feel like if that's the vision time. And if as soon as city council stops dreaming big and stops having that vision time, then we're really in trouble. Sure. But, you know, that's how the dog park came to be. That's where the skate park started. That's where the art district started. That's where, mm. you know, all of these ideas start with just that seed and a discussion item, you know, could we do this? Could we try this? Mm. And so it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, time to discuss it. So, you know, I am sorry that some people think it's a waste of time. And like I said, they're invited to just turn off, you know, cause we've done our business, but it is, it is a time that, um, that we do kind of dream as mm. a city council. Mm. Yeah, and that important that that's important to kind of detach from the uh, the immediate business items and allow yourself time to to, to play, as you say, kind right, of, right, right, um, and, and dream and ideate, try to figure out, um, you know, what's possible, right, and, and that's even why like the the children's museum is such an important right. space, like that that perpetual state of endless play that mm -hmm. children uh, can get so involved in, where there's no real point A or point B, right, um, but uh, they can just kind of endlessly play try new things trying new uh, things incredible yeah. important piece i see it in my daughter and her development like mm -hmm. how how enriching that is and even when she brings me along wants me to play with her i mean right. it's a, it's an incredible experience and enjoy so, that now because that doesn't last forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. I, I got yeah. but but uh i i think it's it's a part of our humanity that that we need to um maintain as a city right. and as a community right and, just know. yeah we can't stop dreaming and we are a town that is kind of reinventing itself or redefining mm. itself um, right. you know as you said you're looking at yourself as an artist and so you start down this path and I think that we as a town made up our minds we're gonna bring it back mm. and so we're gonna go through different growth points where we're gonna say okay now how should we define ourselves right. or how how you know, what's our next step? And I, I do think, and, and certainly city council's open for, you know, these ideas or for, you know, you know, we're certainly not the only six people in the city with ideas. Yeah. So, um, so we're really listening. Um, and because we're really proponents of the city and we want to see everyone's investments in the city grow, whether it's monetary, whether it's the real estate or opening a business or just, mm deciding to cre to create your family here you know that's an investment of time and space and and we want all of that to pay off for everyone mm, mm, yeah and I, I appreciate your openness to discuss all that Charlotte because I, mm. I think people do have um, like a lot of people have the misconception that we're in these different camps like city councils over here they don't understand my issues kind of thing you know what I mean but uh, right. you, you all as you've um, as you've built, this this uh, exciting progressive city council, um, you you seem really open to people's ideas and people like uh, Ronnie Williams it is an amazing example of that. Mm -hmm. That he just uh, with no prior experience of any taking on any project like Portsmouth Street Art Project right. just walked up to the mic at a city council meeting in a very shaky voice and yeah. said, "I want a wall to paint on." Mm -hmm. And it was just like, and you're right, like that's how it starts. It's mm -hmm. just somebody's shaky voice with an idea and, and just people and just not not to disqualify themselves immediately but right. understand that you are really you all really are here to listen to them mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. right 
right? And I do feel like um, that's part of the strengths of this group is that we're, we're really listening because, you know, the last census, we've lost population. Mm. And, um, and so we really have to focus on, on turning it around. Although, you know, Mark says, do we really want everyone to know how wonderful and beautiful it is here? Then it will be crowded. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think a traffic jam downtown might be kind of good. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. But, um, you know, it's, I think too, when there's exciting things going on, it attracts other exciting mm. people that have other ideas that want to bring them to a town that they're appreciated in. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And we, we definitely see that happening. People like, uh, Juan Fuentes opening his, mm-hmm. his restaurant downtown. Um, is and that you, Maestro's? Maestro's, Oh right? man. Yeah. My new kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and so. then even, even, uh, I mean, 83 suites moving yeah, downtown moving to second downtown. street. And, and pretty I incredible. Know. Pretty incredible. So we've got some really fun things yeah, that going just, on. There's, there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of momentum. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anything you want people to know about in the immediate future, uh, Charlotte? The city is launching a new website. Awesome. And actually, I'm glad I thought of this because it is, that is so Terry incredible. Horner has designed it and it is incredible. And one of the really incredible features on it is a community calendar in which everyone, wow. everyone can put all of their things on there. And mm. there can be multiple things on the same day. What a concept. And so um, we can, we, we really, cause, because it's hard to know. I mean, yeah. oftentimes I'll turn on Facebook and think, ah, that happened yesterday. I didn't know about it. And so I always feel like <laughs> Yeah, we're just out. all at the I mercy know. of our Facebook so, algorithm. Right. Kind of so yeah. it's going to be really great to have a clearinghouse. That's, that's so exciting. I, say, I did not know that. I yeah. have friends coming in town. What can we do this weekend? And mm. um, she's gone out and taken incredible images of our city. She's taken them all herself for the website. There's no stock mm. images and um, of everything going on and the hills and the river and everything. And um, so that that's going to wow. be the one place. And I think we're really, really close to launch. Mm. Mm. Um, so look for that certainly, um, in the next month. Yes. Thank, um, thank you. That is excellent And that's how we will know what everything is going on. Mm. Um, so we don't leave anything out. Well, I mean, that's, that is a massive step, Charlotte, because like, like we're saying what, uh, I mean, th- these phones are an extension of ourselves <laughs> at this know. point. They really yes, are. Yes, they are. They really yes, are. They so are. people just get the impression maybe that they're quote unquote, nothing going on, but, uh, that that's going to be, that's going to be an incredible addition. Right. Well, I think we shattered that whole notion a long time sure. ago that there's yeah. nothing going on right. because there's right. a lot going on There is, and, um, often multiple things going on in any given point in time. And um, it's fun when we have museum events. Um, we had a really great concert the other night outside in the alley. I love our alley concerts. Mm. And there was a group of people who, like, the first shift, and they said, okay, now we've got to run over here. So they ran over to this other event. And then this other group of people came in. Well, we just came from this place. So it's it's really fun to be part, uh, to just have a fabric in your community that ha- offers so many mm wharfs and wefts of you know things we can hop on and do and experience and um it's just fun Mm -hmm. well charlotte we really appreciate your contributions to the community we're glad to have you you here and your husband thank you and um yeah really excited for the future really excited for the future i am too portsmouth Mm. is looking up it is yeah yeah so thank you for having me of course of course and thanks everybody for listening have a good night